One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wake up in the morning feeling like Waterman is extremely well, she's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, tryhards. Hello. 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 Uh, we are back. Sorry that we missed you last week, guys. Uh, little Sister Jones wasn't very well, so I was on puppy duty uh, looking after Angus while she was in hospital. And did that dog give me the runaround? <laughs> How is that little chap doing? Um, he is getting bigger, but he will weigh slightly less in a few weeks' time because those marbles are coming off. That dog <laughs> has got to get frustrated and quick, quite frankly. He is frisky. He is a frisky little terrier. Uh, there's um, there's a little terrier-like dog in Rome that has a crush on Koya. So every time we go walking and we see him, he knows that he can't get anywhere close to the back of her. Um, so, and because she doesn't mind him coming up and like saying hello to her face, he now tries to hump her front leg, which is quite weird. Um. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. I guess it's like people here calling their French bulldog Gino. It's the same as someone calling their Labrador Steve in Rome. Yeah, exactly. And it's true. <laughs> and so when they, it's so brilliant. Um, yeah, actually funny story about castration. I don't think I've ever told you. Um, so it, when we lived in New Zealand, we had a cat called Puku, which in Maori is um, tummy, because she had a big old fat tummy. Okay. Um, and uh, and then we got a new cat, a pedigree Persian cat, called who we decided to call Pete. So he was Pete the pedigree Persian pussycat. Okay. Um, he's actually slightly disabled, I think, because although they've got flat faces, he literally couldn't breathe. So my mum had to sort okay. him out. But... Um, she did work in practice um, a little bit. Anyway, he needed to go in and and um, have the deed done. And when I got home, mum said, oh, have a look over there. And um, she'd actually kept them in a jam jar for us all to see and brought oh. them home. <laughs> in a jam jar, not even like a specimen bottle, like a jam jar. In a jam jar. Um, so unfortunately, the poor cat had to also travel home with them. So it was like a double whammy of insults. So <laughs> this is really off tangent. So guys, probably fast forward 10 minutes of this podcast if you actually want to hear about rugby. Do people clear up their dog mess in Rome? Um, not that well. 
Mm, I'll tell you for why. Sophie's got an Italian neighbour, lovely guy, um, works in the bakery, really nice, gives us free bakery gifts on a Sunday, doesn't clear up his dog poo. And I, I kind of feel like, is that a cultural thing? Is he lazy? And I don't know how to um, break it. I think it's probably la- lazy, but yeah, it isn't nice over here sometimes but then I don't know whether that's just because I live in the city and whatever but he um this Italian guy he's really nice he's Sicilian and when I said to him oh my my friend's husband's Italian he's from Rome where are you from he went oh Sicily and I went like the mafia and he went no like the lemons and I think it was quite offensive so I've learned my lesson there but also the fact that he jumped on the defensive so quickly makes me think that maybe his family are in the mafia (laughs) <laughs> maybe i won't address the dog poo situation with and, him. well maybe maybe they have people to clean it up for them on maybe. their behalf <laughs> should we talk about some rugby yeah we can do i mean for the first time ever i think no that can't be the first time ever maybe it is maybe it isn't um i watched all three games of the women's six tiktok women's six nations um live I watched them not knowing the results um, and I found myself, honestly, I kid you not, I found myself going to press the screen to fast forward on bits that wow. I didn't want. <laughs> That's like when you see kids trying to pinch photos to zoom into them now. You've become conditioned. I knew you were watching them live because you were live tweeting and I was like, oh, Danielle's got quiet weekend because she's watching these live. Did you feel a certain sense of, um, of danger and of excitement not knowing the results of them, watching them oh, out in real time? It's so much better. I think the the Scotland-Italy game was great to watch live because, I mean, there was a kind of a spell, probably what, I think it was 65 minutes in-ish, where Italy have built, got momentum back and then the card and it got quite, it was, yeah, you had it had the drama um, of not knowing the score. Um, so, yeah, no, it was good. I got a few jobs done, went to the gym, started uh, running. Um, I will be doing some social posts or something maybe on the podcast going back to the Taboob um, podcast, if you haven't heard that one, um, about sports bras, because I've realised how not having the right sports bra has definitely hindered my ability, not just in my mentally, I've not really wanted to run. I've been a bit worried about my knees and all sorts of things, but it has hindered my confidence and ability to to go in and just just run like normal um uh, because of comfort and all those types of things so it is not an ad um but I went into Bravismo and they were awesome and I could not believe the difference um it's made going to a a company and a a brand that offers the right support now you're seeing both sides of the coin I'm really intrigued as to kind of your thought process around this because I know that when you were playing you had a favored sports bra manufacturer but obviously they were sports bras for athletic build and you would have had slightly less up top a brand like Bravissimo now if you are your common or garden woman wanting to get into working out who's got a bigger chest would you advise going to a shop like that how well did they service your needs as again not an ad I'm just really intrigued by this no, they're amazing. Um, I went in at a, thinking I was a certain size and I was totally, totally different, totally different. And to the point where I nearly like had an argument with the woman and I nearly walked out of the shop because I was so like, and I was like, I used to play sport. I know which brand I like. I know what size I am. It was just, And she was like, um, I just want to, and she, it was literally like, the film was it love actually when mr bean is putting the stuff the cinema stick in the thing 
<laughs> into the present that he shouldn't be buying. It was like that. And I was literally like, please, please, just this is painful. I tried on the bra she gave me and I was like, no way, no way does this size fit me. No way. I know there's a lot of letters in the alphabet. This 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 letter was nowhere close to where I thought I was. So put it this way. If you think you're a D, you got nothing on me. <laughs> I'm imagining like a catapult in like an old medieval um <laughs> you know, like the Asterix comic books when firing boulders off the edge of a cliff. That's what I'm picturing. Was it a more uh, painful experience of when than when we were in Japan? You had to try and buy a strapless bra in Japanese. Because that is still up there as one of my most painful shopping experiences. Uh, different. It was different. Um, but I will say, so Bravismo is just, um, I don't even know if they have their own brand, Bra. Um, they, I think I tried on like five or six different brands that were different sizes, that were all sorts of, you know, had different elements to sports bra. Um, and the woman was awesome because I kind of was saying what I liked and then she gave me different options. And I think it is, you know, it's always important to to, to not, as, as frustrating as it is when you think you know what you want, yeah. um, to try on something different but actually I came away with two brands I'd never even heard of um and I I've used one of them so far and it's fantastic and it, it this as I say it isn't it isn't an advert maybe I will try and get onto them so it is an advert so I don't have to pay for them all um but I was really surprised and what it has done is absolutely open my eyes to the challenges that women and girls would have if they're not comfortable um, and 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 how easy it is to not be comfortable um, to get it completely wrong if you don't have the right help um, and advice um, and that's to guys as well I know we've got a lot of male listeners and you know if you do have daughters don't be embarrassed I think to to talk to them about it and get the right help and spend a little bit more money because that photograph of me wearing a Nike sports bra that's basically like a crop top for a 10 year old will haunt me for the rest of my life <laughs> I think there's a, I think Jared, the, um, the rugby guy could maybe, you know, there's, there's goose steps and then there's boob steps. And that's probably what I would describe that photo as Nolly. It's funny because we, we talk so much about periods of women's sport at the moment. And it's so great that we're not afraid to, and we're shining a light on it and the color of shorts and, and you know, I thought it was really interesting. Rosie Galligan said the other day that she wants to play in white shorts because an England kit is all white. And I actually thought there's two sides to every story and, and it's important that we ask athletes, but obviously Wales have got the Wacker partnership and the um, Wacker, Wacker, I don't know what they're called, but the period pants. And, and you know, we're talking about that and that's getting a huge amount of attention, but we still haven't got the sports bra side of things, right? So let's let's try and get all of it all of these bits of of you know kit that women need quite specifically and uniquely to the women's game let's get all of it right it's not even to play rugby it's just to do sport just to go for a jog just to go on the treadmill for I mean I lasted about I literally did six lots of 90 seconds on 30 seconds off at a speed that I would normally not even warm up on to the point where Simone laughed at me when I told him how fast I went um having been someone that's trained next to me but I needed to build it up slowly and it and it's been a really interesting couple of weeks for me doing it it's a massive limiting factor just to be active. I genuinely think, and I've now been experiencing it for the first time. So how I share it, I'm not quite sure, but this is the launch of me talking about boobies. I can't believe that we haven't talked about, even though we haven't talked about any rugby yet, but we haven't talked about WRA, head of the board. Yeah. There's a new queen in town. There is a new queen and it's a Cleal. Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? Um, 
Yeah, no, really exciting news actually to finally with the Women's Rugby Association have not only our board in place, um, but to have a chair and vice chair with Bryony, um, Cleal and Joe Brown respectively. Like I think from our perspective, when we set out to to set it up, it was we need to help these girls, like we need to kind of fight fires for them and just be there. Um, and then there was a much more, you know, a longer term strategic goal of getting the board in place and, and putting the players front and centre from a decision making perspective. So, you know, our governance is is led by the fact that they they make the decisions. Um, and so to finally have those girls in place um, and. Yeah, to be to be building out what their role is and working with them and the girls and the reps from all of the different clubs um it's brilliant because there's a lot of decisions being made and you know Belinda Moore and her small team have got a huge job um and uh I think putting the players in a formal capacity in there you know she's she's been great in terms of including us but making sure that that structure is there in place moving forward and I think that as as the women's game is in is quite a pivotal point having that already in place, what it looks like moving forward and how it develops and grows is now up to the players that are playing and the exec team and the advisory board and, and you know, the extended group. Yeah. But it's there. And this it was a big milestone for us. Um, so yeah, really, really proud of our, our team for getting it there. And also for the girls to, you know, to be put into those positions. From a kind of personal anecdotal perspective, I'm really, really pleased to see Bryony in that role. And I'm sure that she's going to um, really run with it because I know that I've had conversations with her over the past 12 months. We were on the flight back from the World Cup together and, and she was singing the praises of the WRA then. And, and, you know, that was before loads of players had signed on to it. And I know that she's somebody who has been incredibly passionate about what the WRA is doing and, and aims to do so. Um, she seems like an amazing fit for it. And it's it's really exciting for the women's game and really exciting for all those players in the league to have this representation. So come on, the WRA! Woo! Uh, no, no, look, you know, I, I really appreciate it because a lot of the work that trade unions do and player associations do is massively um, behind closed doors or, un, or, you know, not known about. Um, and I think having those players as advocates for what we do and, and making sure that it's put into players' language and they're, you know, it's being drip-fed all the time into the clubs is really important. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's really fun. important for the game to have that player voice from a formal point of view. And, you know, we've seen the challenges within the men's game, we don't need to go down that route, but what's exciting, and I do genuinely believe um, is happening, is that women's rugby can be in a place that we learn from the men's game, learn from other sports, but also go down its own path in, in some areas and that and be comfortable with it being different. It's just making sure, and probably we'll talk about it with, um, maybe, maybe we can talk about it straight away with Ireland. You know, a lot of, work is going into wanting I think to to help Ireland and help the women's game there but I'm intrigued and this isn't coming from a position of too much knowledge really about what is actually going on behind closed doors over there but I'm intrigued to see those decision makers and how diverse they are and actually their experience away from the men's game and are they actually trying to make a mini men's model or are they looking at it in really innovative, creative ways with different stakeholders in the room? Um, because 
the women's game needs that massively. It is needs its its needs and requirements are totally different. Um, and you can't. It, it's like a square peg in a round hole in some instances. Some of it's okay. Some of it's very similar, but there are lots of different um, requirements. And m that would be my biggest question. I think of the the IRFU at the moment is. I do believe um, there is will and intent in a positive way to create a different narrative around the women's game. Um, it's just the mechanics behind what they're doing and are they opening up those rooms and those discussions and not just allowing people to talk but listen and structure what they're hearing around everybody's everybody's point of view. I think there's it's very interesting this week that the IRFU are doing a press call this week and they will be holding a press conference with the head of the union to talk about um, the roadmap for women's rugby in Ireland. And when we talk about the um, learning from the men's game, not replicating it and all that kind of stuff, that I, I still love that tweet that popped up the week before last about perhaps we should combine the two Six Nations tables, men's and women's, um, and, and the winner comes out of that. Because I think that, puts in stark contrast where the women's game in Ireland is versus the men's. Now, they are two very different beasts in terms of participation. Men's rugby participa participation compared to women's in Ireland, very different kind of figures because of the traditional ways that those games are played, education, schooling, all that kind of stuff. But it does look like the IRFU have got a from the ground up um, roadmap. Now, whether that's going to be the right one, whether that's what they're planning is is workable, but fundamentally that has worked for the men's game in Ireland. We we look at Leinster flying high in Europe. We look at the amount of trophies that have been shared between Leinster and Munster at the top level of the game. Connacht winning the league. Ulster have, have you know played at the pointy end of all of these competitions. Where provincial rugby in Ireland is today came from a ground up response to them underperforming in the late nineties, early noughties. So. Whether they're looking at that and, and deciding that's the kind of way that they're going to try and apply it, and that's why they want to keep talent in Ireland, because that's obviously one of the big things that they've talked about. Um, but it is, you know, I think we we see a lot of headlines around things like sexism in rugby and flashpoint incidents, and obviously the um, Telegraph article about the alleged comments made by a senior IRFU male um, and what he thought of the women's game appears like a flashpoint we need those it looks like now to get anything going and and whilst the protest I guess you'd call it at the game on Saturday didn't go down particularly well and and you know there are arguments on both sides that free speech versus you don't take expletives into a, a women's rugby match where you've got a huge um under 18 population in the stands um but that's probably shone a light for a wider Irish public on what's going on in women's rugby at the moment and I think change is going to be forced there and it's interesting to see the way the players have reacted to it because getting on to that game on Saturday Ireland perhaps weren't what we all expected I think you know in the week beforehand we were all shouting it's going to be 100 nil to England were you surprised by Ireland where do you think that performance came from for them no I'm not surprised at all you know they're they're not bad players they've got some wonderful talent um you know in terms of playing over in England, the girls that are, are standing up, there are still players in England that aren't being involved, which still blows my brain. But anyway, um, that's a drum that I will not keep beating. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think England probably 
were their own worst enemies. Like they massively underperformed in certain areas um, and lost some structure and, you know, but when they were on it, like the first couple of minutes, they were absolutely flying and they looked like a totally different woman. I think one thing that I have noticed and just kind of going back to your point about where Irish rugby is and the pathway for me, I, you know, and, and if you link it to the men's, it's all well and good saying about, you know, the men's having like men's at the moment is in a brilliant, brilliant place, but they're also part of uh, the URC. So they travel to Scotland and to Wales to, and obviously South Africa to play their fixtures. There isn't that available in, in Ireland for the women. So what they're asking players to do to go back to Ireland to play in a domestic league is they're just playing against each other and they're not playing against the other talent. Whereas the girls that are over in the Premier 15s at the moment are playing against that other talent. And you can see that in terms of the way they carry, in terms of the way that their physicality, um, some of their decision-making, the detail, just, you know, in terms of their presence on the field because of the programmes they're a part of, the people they're training with, the players that are playing against all the time. And I think that for me, that's where that if Ireland want to really grow their game and make it right, there has to be an interim period to allow the game in Ireland, we've spoke about this before, the game in, in Ireland domestically to grow, to extend that into a competition that goes away from, you know, can they go to France? You know, is France, the French domestic league has a real varied, you know, can they, where can they get good level of domestic rugby so that the players are playing a decent standard, training with good players week in, week out? There isn't that available. So by ask, by not providing a hybrid contract or not having this kind of, this kind of melting pot where players can, it can be built in a sustainable way towards a positive future, then that's what's going to struggle. And I think, you know, you could, as I say, you could see that at times um, with um, with the Irish. I, I would say it was it is really good to see Catherine Buggy um, plays at Gloucester Hartbury, playing, came off the bench with an early injury, did really well. And then she was playing really well. And then you've got a really fresh Sarah Byrne coming on the field. Um, and, you know, Bernard came on and absolutely tore up. And and I think that, you know, that's the difference with England across any team, isn't it? Um, I, I will say it was, it was all, you know, England were overplaying, probably not helped by the fact that the Italians tore up out wide. So what na naturally, subconsciously, you're thinking, well, we should run around them here. We should be yeah. getting through them. Um, the outside backs have been performing unbelievably well with England. And so there were passes going when there shouldn't be. And, and that, that like, why haven't we broken the line to, to score here um, versus, okay, just build another phase and go again, because actually this is a really difficult team that we're going to have to break down, which will be this, will, which will absolutely be the mentality against the French. But I think against the Irish. Yeah, that's so what I'm really intrigued by. And I, I, there is absolutely no way that England and those players would disrespect the occasion, the competition, the opponents. But how much was that Ireland game a case of using it as a little bit of a warm-up match for France, trying things, trying to be a bit more, you know, they, they're going to take the dub. Would they have been that worried about conceding? Would it have been a case of trying, look, having a look at where you are in attack and stuff like that? No, I don't think so. I think those girls would be devastated with how they performed. Really? I, you know, played in plenty of those games and you're really annoyed at the end because you because your performance is down and you're thinking well you've got to credit the Irish they stuck in they they ripped into England they did hold their own in set piece for a, for a proportion of the of the game um which was great 
Um, but England just weren't good enough and they weren't good enough on their own standards. And I think they'll be really frustrated by that. I suppose it didn't help that, you know, Hannah Bottomham came off the bench against Wales, looked absolutely brilliant, got three jackal turnovers. You know, she's starting well and then she goes off injured. Marley goes off injured. Um, and all of a sudden the dynamic does start yeah. slightly shift, you know. Um, and I would just, say it does look like won't be involved this weekend from what we're hearing Marley likely from what we've heard but we'll see I, I want to ask you a question though on on when you say about the way that the girls would have been really disappointed coming off do England have different KPIs in games now we talk about the way that you know from a, a Wales perspective pre-tournament Johan Cunningham saying you know we're targeting our three games that aren't England and France against England we will want to you know, um, register a couple of shots that, you know, we, we want to score tries. It, it Their KPIs will be things like, do England have KPIs? Like, okay, we want to score a minimum of 50 points against this team. We don't want to concede. Do do they have KPIs like that within the, that environment? 100%. Yeah, like, I wouldn't be necessarily those. I think, yeah, conceding is massive because um, that's a mindset and attitude thing and then making sure that people don't cross your line, that real kind of pride in 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 your defense um the biggest things that you know have come into that come into play are ruck speed um making sure that they're getting quick ball it will be around not leaving the 22 without points um penalty count making sure that set piece as well so 100 on own ball line out and scrum and then a certain percentage on the opposition as well so yeah, I mean, every team will have them, but but England's are, are set really high, as they should be. And that, you know, they obviously change, some change with the opposition, but a lot of them will be the same, no matter who they come up against. Um, I think probably what you're seeing now with England is there is a real, it's a really interesting one because there's a real shift in, in like a changing of the guard. There really does feel like that at the moment. Um, even though you do have a couple of the girls like the World Cup winners, they were talking about it on comms about, you know, there was, you know, there's Marley, Amber, um, Mo, Mo, I think that was it from that team. Like, that's mad. Like, it's weird because that World Cup winning team was in 2014 was played such a big part of the the, the, the years to come. Alex. A lot, Alex, yeah. So we went, you know, a lot of us went to 2017 and a lot, you know, and, and so it's really interesting, you know, Skaz is dealing with a couple of injuries at the moment. Will she come back? I hope so. You know, um, she makes the team look a little bit different because she is that kind of elder stateswoman in the squad. But it's really exciting to see the younger talent. Um, that said, what you don't get when you don't have those senior players and people take massively for granted is that game management. And that's not as disrespect for the younger players. That's just at different times in the game, knowing how to flip and change and make decisions in a slightly different way. Um, and you always want that balance between players that are a little bit more pragmatic or just making sure that the, the team is moving around the certain areas of the field. And, and, but at the same time, this young, exciting, fresh talent and, and the way that they play is also there. And I think we've seen that real freshness with Holly at 10 and, um, you know, I Tatiana. Massively picking up on that when Mo went <laughs> off and Lucy Packer came on, that for me felt like one of those moments in terms of, you know, pre-World Cup, there was so much made of the fact that, you know, Mo wasn't included in that squad for the World Cup and all that kind of thing. But Lucy Packer coming on the weekend, it 
it felt right and it felt like what England looked like now and it, she, it felt like she was England's scrum half you know and I mean that with all due respect to Mo but it certainly had that feeling of we're, we are starting to see a modern England team and, and what England are going to look like at 2025 with that in mind we do know how important Mali is if she doesn't play this Saturday how big a loss is she for England against France she's big because she demands a lot of respect from oppositions because they know she'll be roaming around breakdowns and getting stuck into them and, and getting turnovers. She offers support lines and just a real, like a horrible gnarly presence that it just means that you're aware. And if you're aware of one particular player, you then lose your, that takes a couple of percent off of somebody else potentially. So the space she creates for other people. Um, she's obviously doing a great job in leading and there's, you know, I've heard some really lovely things from within the squad, which is awesome. Um, got a hug from her mum as well, Julie. And, uh, <laughs> she said she's knackered. Um, <laughs> um, but I, um, yeah, I think it, it will be big, I suppose, where England benefit from. You've got the likes of Sadia Kabea that's really stepped up. She would, in my eyes, shift to the seven shirt. You could possibly then put... A, a plethora of players in at the six shirt. I really like Alex Matthews at eight. Um, Poppy Cleal, I think, is pushing to get back fit for the game. It'd be a big ask for her to be involved at such a big level coming back from an injury. Oh, me, uh, she's fit. She wants that game. At the end of the day, she's a big Sugar Babes fan. So it makes sense. <laughs> well, she shouldn't, she shouldn't play them because she'll be in the changing rooms when they're playing. She, Good point. Good point. I'd love that if a couple of people just stay out and be like, oh no, I just, I feel like I need to stretch. I've dropped my, dropped my, like I'm trying to do their boot up really slowly. Yeah. <laughs> I stuck in the boots. What do you think they're going to sing first? I don't know, mate. And I couldn't tell you which songs they sing. I do know them, obviously. Um, don't sing them. You have done that. Um, I, I will say before we need to move on because this pod has got very long and I'm sure very you'll quick. get yeah. out most of what I've said it is it was wonderful 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 to see Helena Rowland back um, injury she picked up at the World Cup pretty rubbish injury um, the fact that she did it in a semi-final I've been there missing a final because of in well from a concussion which is an injury um, but I was able to get back on the pitch that autumn and start to put things right. She's had to wait until now. Um, obviously, there weren't the autumn games, but it's been a long time. Um, and so, yeah, it was really good to see her. Amber Reed has pushed to get back in and came off the bench and did a really good job. Um, it's so, twelve this weekend. And Helena started 10. What does that back line look like this no. week? No. I, no. Um, it's a really good... Good question. Um, Thank you. I think, I think you, you, I personally would stick with Holly. I think she's been, you know, been brilliant. The Six Nations, the fact that she, I mean, she's played loads at ten, but not in an England shirt. I think she's brought the team to life. I think Tatiana Hurd has earned her stripes at twelve. Um, whether they shift her to thirteen and put Amber Reed at twelve, possibly. Um, I don't, wouldn't do that. Although Amber has been played well I think she's a really good player in this fixture to have on the bench to come on and to steer the ship wherever she needs to be put and she can be put in that in that 10 12 13 kind of channels um again Helena is a good person to have off the bench time wise has she had enough minutes on the under about to start um because a lot of the you know a lot of the back three have been been playing well um I'd probably go with a Jess Abby and 
um, how important a kicking option against France, specifically at Twickenham as well. A rugby pitch is a rugby pitch, but that's a vast rugby pitch at Twickenham. It feels like a big space. It's a big stadium. How important are kicking options this weekend? They are important. Um, I'd probably say the kick chase is actually more important. Um, England have got a very clear kicking strategy. You can see that the way they play, they set it up very clearly and, and move it. Um, for me, you know, the Laurent in, in, on the wing for, for France has been a bit of a revelation. I think she's, she's class. Um, and uh, yeah, it's what they do. I don't think they've really had anyone step up. Boulard keep putting her on my fantasy team and she's absolutely been rubbish points wise. Um, Banet didn't quite look like she's got the pace that she used to at the weekend. I was quite surprised when she got caught. You know, Newman is Neumann is fast, but Neumann. I um I was genuinely surprised that Banner didn't finish a couple of times. She's brutally strong, like really strong, but yeah, she didn't quite look like she's got the wheels that she's had in the past. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We need to move on because this pod's getting so long and I apologise because I keep asking you questions. Um, we have to move on to what might possibly be my greatest sporting moment of this year. Uh, and I cannot describe, there are no words to describe how shortchanged I feel that I didn't get to interview Rachel Malcolm as a winning captain last weekend, having been there and having had her crying uh, down a microphone in front of me for so many of Scotland's losses over the past 12 months. I am so happy for Brian Eason and that team of women who have finally put a W in the column because that was getting painful. Um, and on that note, Koya has arrived oh. back from her walk and she's very excited too. With like, the I used to live in Scotland. And she's ginger, so yeah. Um, <laughs> she, um, you know what, it, it was really great to great to see them get over the line um Italy were not good at times in fact they were really quite poor their basic errors their penalty count 
Um, but that shouldn't take away from how Scotland did actually play. Um, they look like a different side when Jay Conkle's on it and she was on it. Um, her go forward is just phenomenal. Um, in fact, it's as it's much go forward as Koya has got at the moment, running back and forward with a new toy, which is a chicken, makes a lot of noise. Um, yeah, I it was really good to see them them play well. Um, I actually think that you're probably the bad omen, so you should never go to a Scotland game again if they want to win. But um well, don't get me wrong like I do feel a little bit like that um I was incredibly pleased for them I did have that classic wobble though in the second half when there was a point where I thought Italy going to come back here and I was texting Claire Thomas and I was like this will break my heart and my soul um but cometh the hour cometh the Lana Skeldon uh pride of Hoik another one um it, it is written in the stars that if your team look like they're about to choke in a match that they're going to win for the first time in a year, the player who can do it all, Lana Skeldon is the one who scores. It honestly was just like, when Lana Skeldon scored, I thought they've got this in the bag now. They've won because God wouldn't do that. It's interesting though, because it, it if they hadn't won it, it would have been classic Scotland loss in that Italy massively underperformed and then managed to sneak it against all of the, the momentum. Um, interestingly, the last couple of plays of the game, which are going to be quite significant now, where Italy could have got their, bon their tri-bonus point, they could have got within seven, all of those types of things. Um, Lana, or whether it was the throw, whether it was the jump, whatever, there was a couple of lineouts that went skew. Mm. And and so it's fascinating to see a team that haven't won. They were so close. They just needed to see it out and the errors that were creeping in. And, and they managed to weather the storm. And you kind of hope that that momentum yeah. actually stays with them. Yeah. She was brilliant for me on fantasy. I knew that she <laughs> so got me plenty of points. I think it's really important for them psychologically as well that and I'm again, I don't know how many times I say with all due respect on this podcast, it's probably because I must be quite rude about people. But if Scotland's first win had come against Ireland next weekend, I wonder what value that would have had because Ireland is so the absolute whipping girls of this tournament this year. I wonder if the value of that win wouldn't have felt the same if it would have been you know, kind of, um, well, of course, they'd be Ireland. But equally, had they lost to Italy, they would have gone into a game that, you know, well, absolutely, if you don't, if you can't win this, then what happens? And at that point, they're a team that, you know, that you can see how close they are to Brian Eason. Brian Eason's a lovely man, and I've got so much time for him. But you're going into a game thinking our, our coach, who we love, is getting sacked if we don't win this. Things like that. So I'm, I wonder how much the monkey off their back this week if that changes how they play next weekend against Ireland, if they have a bit, if a little bit of that pressure's off now? Um, yes and no. I think you've got, they got back it up now. Yeah. You know, Italy made it easy for them at times, not physically, but by all of the errors that they had, you know, their hand in. They, and they've had it, they, they've had that in their game, all Six Nations. They just have not clicked yet. They're passing, their penalty counts, like all sorts of stuff. They come up with moments of unbelievable rugby. Yeah. Um, but, it's just not been good enough and and Scotland punished them for it and it was good to see and you, you also got to look at their injury list because this, the Scotland set piece has been really good they've you know Emma Wassell's on the sideline Sarah Bonnet's on the sideline two of their main line out jumpers Emma 
played in like 50 consecutive games like starting shirts I mean like crazy you know Sarah is a huge part of their team I think that said Louise McMillan in the in the second row really stood out for me and putting Jade Conkle in there she all right she's not necessarily a a lifting up a jumping option but she did you could then get all your best players on the field um and talking about that you know it's great to see Lisa Thompson back, um, you know, getting a, I didn't realise she got a 50th cap a couple of weeks ago. And then for Helen Nelson to get her this weekend, you know, it's impressive for Lisa considering she's the youngest ever Scottish woman to to get to 50 caps. Um, I was a bit dubious the fact that she went back given her role in sevens and yeah. what coming up with the sevens, you know, it's a huge thing. But then saying that. I still all- hope that she doesn't play this weekend because Toulouse is what, a fortnight away? Yeah, but then saying we're GB, I can say that we're GB sevens. Um, but then saying that you know what the influence of having her back in that back line and the way that she they played has been huge for Scottish rugby, which inadvertently will help and support Team GB sevens in the in the future as well. Um, and also psychologically for her, you know, she's been on the receiving end of a lot of losses in the Scotland team, and I think to be on the sideline and and to see see them win, it would have been amazing. And I'm sure she would have been so proud of the girls, but it would have been also really hard to have not been part of it. And also you wonder what the other side of that is. GB7s, you know, we've talked about this, have gone well in their past couple of tournaments. They've, you know, we, we're seeing things click for them and actually coming from an environment like that where they are winning matches and, and they're closing in on Olympic qualification, which at the beginning of the season really didn't seem like it was going to happen. Bringing that mentality back into a Scotland camp as well can only be a positive of, you know, this is what we're doing. These are our processes, that kind of thing. So, you know, that's got to be a positive. I think we should probably move on to the final game of the weekend because Scotland, before a ball was kicked past or anything in anger in Grenoble on Sunday, Scotland had done Wales a favour by beating Italy. Wales, who sit on 10 points in the table at the moment, only need to now take a point next weekend against Italy uh, to qualify for the top tier of WXV. Um, We think because World Rugby... Please tell me that that was not Koya's new chicken that I just heard in the background there. It was Koya's new chicken. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. Tap dancing and the chicken. This is just great for the edit. Thanks, Koi Koi's. Um, But yeah, Wales faced France and Grenoble. It's interesting because the first half I sat there and thought, uh, I went out for the second half. I went to watch Cardiff play Newport in the Prem Cup final. Um, come on, Blue and Blacks. Um feed the fish and then I checked the score in the stadium and Wales had scored two tries in the second half which from what I'd seen of the first half of Wales came as quite the shock at the moment the Welsh girls seem to want to play 20 minutes of rugby Uh, I actually think if you add up their 20 minutes of each of the games their best 20 minutes of each game they've played this tournament so far you've got a near perfect Wales performance (laughs) but unfortunately rugby matches are 80 minutes long so they didn't start well um <laughs> but and the French did and I genuinely think it's one of the best performances I've seen from the French for their first I don't know what is it 25-30 minutes um weather changed dramatically at half time um by all accounts and yeah the French kind of clearly lost a little bit of interest um but then you know the, the Welsh girls stuck in it the, the substitutes did make a big 
difference Alex Callender is just an absolute pest it was actually making me a little bit frustrated seeing her being that much of a pest because I just hated playing against players like that like to the point like I genuinely hated it and I was like who was the worst of your generation who's who's the comparable Amy Garnett was pretty horrendous okay. um uh fortunately got to play alongside Heather Fisher quite a bit um she was a bit of a pain Marley wasn't isn't that great um <laughs> Yeah, mainly the back rowers. Mainly the back rowers. All the chat. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it made me a bit annoyed for the French on the French's behalf. But fair play to her; she seemed to light a bit of a spark in the Welsh, and they really came to life. And 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 they took their try as well. It it wasn't pretty, but it was what it needed to happen. And the French were a little bit surprised, I think, but probably it has actually done the French a favour getting beaten up by the Welsh a bit like that and a bit embarrassed by the Welsh like that in front of their 20 odd thousand fans. Um, 18,000 to be specific. The biggest crowd for a standalone women's rugby match in the Six Nations. Um, I actually think for the for any standalone women's rugby match because the World Cup final doesn't count because it was a double header. Um, so Twickenham will obviously shatter that record on the weekend. 53,000 tickets sold so far and counting. But 18,000 there in Grenoble, and it looked amazing. I, I, that's where I played my last game against them, down in Grenoble at nine o'clock at night. Cheers. Um, um, it was amazing, like then, it was brilliant then. And yeah, the commentators were talking about how loud it was, and you know, and it genuinely is like that, like it is pretty special. And although we lost our game, which was my first and last loss in the Six Nations, um, it's one of my favourite games to play in just because it was really? such an awesome atmosphere. Yes. Like, and you just don't get that in a women's game like often enough. Um, but yeah, the French look good. They look really good. I, I was actually really impressed with Chambon at, um, at nine. They seem to have got a conveyor belt of really good nines yeah. um, that are technically very proficient, tactically look good, athletically they have a spark about them. Um, and it should be talking about the... The English nines found out the other day. Leanne Riley is fit. She hasn't been picked. She played for Saracens at the weekend in the cup, um, which is a bizarre one when you think about it because there's been so much chat, and rightly so, you know, for Mo to not go to a World Cup and then to be picked and play in the Six Nations. Um, but yeah, to go from four, first to fourth choice yeah. um, on the back of a couple of, I think she's had a couple of knocks since the, since the World Cup. But um, yeah, that surprised me. So I'm really interested to see from a nine perspective what happens and who starts leading the way just in the global game because you've got Sansu that's re retired, got an AC, had an ACL injury. You've got the nine situation in England, which I think is they all are very different um, in terms of the way they play and the new coach come in, what they want to do from a development perspective. Um, Kendra Cox has just retired from New Zealand uh so yeah I think in terms of the roles that they have in, in in lighting up the game you've only got to look at Anton Dupont and and look at the effect he has on games and people literally go to watch games to see him yeah. how he can spark the game alight um anyway I get sidetracked on scrum halves but Chambon was good I liked her as a nine um I thought Lorenz was Lorenz or Laurie, um, for short, my mate Laurie, um, she was she was class. Like, yeah, she looked really good. I'm really intrigued to see how she gets on against somebody that's just as quick as her. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, can catch her, what her defence is like. Um, theoretically, she will be up against Abby Brown in that four, if Abby plays in that 14 shirt, or she'll be up against, you know, potentially Jess Breach, the, the real speedster. Uh, my highlight from the um, Wales, the France-Wales game was when my dad said about Menager, she's everywhere. She is everywhere. There's, there's two of them. There's two of them, Dad. Which explained to him, my, at one point my dad was like, this is the greatest rugby player I've ever seen in my life. Like, she she is at the bottom of that breakdown and she's at Scrum Arthur as, as well at the same breakdown. Like he thought she was like some sort of flash. Um, but there's two of them. Um, England-France prediction then? Um, I really hope it's up there with one of the best games of rugby we've seen in a long time, men's and women's. It has the potential to be that. Um, I agree. Because last year's the semi-finals at the World Cup, the two greatest World Cup matches, apart from the final. Um, so those the last three games of the World Cup, excluding the third, fourth, are three of the greatest rugby matches I've ever been lucky enough to be at. And two of the teams that played in those games are involved this weekend. Yeah, the, the problem is, is when they England France play each other, they don't get challenged like they get, and so sometimes they cancel each other out. And it becomes this like absolute slog fest where they just run as hard as possible into each other, which all right, it's entertaining for some people, but when you like to see players <laughs> running in space and moving the ball, I think the way that France played at the weekend with Tremoulier at 10, shifting it into the space, running some loop plays, moving it around the park, her kick, their kicking game. I think the way that Holly is again shifting the ball to space, utilizing the backs. If it's a dry day, I think we've got the potential of some wonderful rugby. You know, I think try the tournament is up there from the French at the weekend. The offloading, the ability, the moving, the interlinking play was unbelievable. It's a huge occasion for all of the players. It can be overwhelming. I think it will be a little bit of shadow boxing to start off with, but I hope it opens up and you know we really start. We see the the sprinters sprinting and we see the set piece. You know them ripping into each other and the skills on show because it's it's a special place to play for England and I think for France as well. Yeah. And they're always my they were always my favourite games to play in. Um mainly because we won, but also because they were so hard, like physically hard, but tactically you had to be on the money. And that's where France, I'm really intrigued to see how they get on because they're up against a new looking men's side, um, which is exciting. And I suppose the, probably the their two biggest weaknesses that will that'll unstick them and make them un be unstuck. I don't know how you say that. Um, not be sticky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, line out, massive yeah. weakness for them. So sharp, not good enough. Great round the park, not good enough. Um, hitting, a, hitting our darts and actually when you look at what in contrast to England they've got Lark they've got Amy they've got they had players like Fleto you know yeah. Connie Powell all of them can hit back ball absolutely on the money it, no matter what lifters jumpers they've got hooker hits them yeah. um, that's the difference I think so that'll be big and then also there's another thing that I've noticed over the last few games with them is I say detail a lot in my commentary, but the detail on their pass, I'm really surprised at how poor some of their passing is in the outside channels. They pull, they pull a lot of passes and whether that's the, the, the runner, like the support player overrunning slightly, um, but they just 
like Menage looked really awkward passing, like technically how she moves the ball yeah. isn't great. There are some brilliant players in that team, of course there are, but just I think that that's where they might come unstuck in contrast yeah. to some of the handling that England have shown. That said, when you've got a team blazing fire down you and you've got to put your skills under pressure, like I... I can't wait to see who stands up and, and makes sure they're counted. I'm going to say, I'm going to put it out there, if she's picked, Alex Matthews, player of the game, if England wins. Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. I can get behind that. Um, it is a huge weekend for women's rugby. This stands to be the biggest women's rugby match in history. 53,000 tickets sold so far. If the weather's nice on the weekend, you know, I... I can't even imagine how high that figure could get. I think they will see a late rush this week because it is getting a little bit nicer. There are events all weekend. Friday night, the Women's Rugby Pod are doing a live pod. Saturday morning, the Good Scars and the Rugby are doing a live event. What else is going on, Danielle? What are you up to? Um, so I'm actually going to a vintage Red Roses um, event at Twickenham in the Eric's Room, which has um, never been done before. It's England Rugby International Club. Um, and so we are being let in which is great. Um, I'm touring with mum, Big Sue's down in, in London. At um, and the the place to go post-match is the Cabbage Patch. After um, party! Yeah, um, Guinness are doing a an event um, and there's going to be, oh, this is hot off the press because it's not actually been officially launched, but there will be music, there'll be goodie bags, there'll be old retired red roses with blonde hair and um tombstone teeth um <laughs> I, uh there's yeah there'll be lots of uh players there um but most importantly there'll be plenty of guinness blowing and there'll be um lots of um lots of fans around enjoying because there's obviously the two remaining games which do have a lot of oh, yeah. um, a lot of importance in terms of what next the six nations has never had this much importance behind the the super of the super saturday with it being france england england france um so they will be being played in the in the cabbage Butch too i'm a tbc attendee at this stage for various reasons but i'm putting it out there now if i am there tryhards fans the first 10 tryhards fans who come up to me at the after party and say I'm a tryhard, we'll get a pair of tryhard socks. Can I do it and my mum do it? Because I really like the socks. We, I'll I'll give you a pair of socks. Has she <laughs> got any tryhard socks? No, she doesn't. Oh my god. Well, priority number one. <laughs> Dig a pair out for Suba. Uh yeah, first 10 tryhards to come and say I'm a tryhard can get a pair of tryhard socks if I'm there. I'll tweet on the morning. Tryhard, um, you know, the school. Don't um don't ask me because I don't have to. <laughs> On that note, try hards. Have a great weekend. Keep trying. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 